We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. Welcome this afternoon. We're glad that you're with us at Fellowship Bible Church for our annual Christmas program, which has not been so annual for the last couple of years, but we're back at it, and we're glad that you are joining us. A couple of notes for you, especially if you're visiting or not familiar with the church, we want to show concern, first of all, for your physical safety. So note a entrance and exit there, and you know the ones in the back either direction. Also, this door here by Melissa is available for us if we have to leave the room in a quick fashion. Um, Also for our health, you'll be uh, noticing perhaps a little fluctuation in the temperature. That's just how it is around here because we're moving air all the time so that we have good air circulation for all of you. And that uh, we've put in place since uh, COVID. Uh, We had that some before, but we also have uh, ultraviolet light purification going on behind the scenes. So any air that runs through that machine is zapped with that so viruses will go bye-bye and uh, that's been a that's been a nice addition to our system um, and then uh, do take note of restrooms in the library they're just on the other side of this wall actually but you've got to go through the library to get there also a set uh, just directly in the back there and then some upstairs as well if you would please uh, take note of that cell phone and uh, put that down onto mute and uh, I, uh, I've had that experience where I got a new cell phone and I'm still trying to figure out how to turn notifications off and turn the sound down and I get one of those embarrassing calls or whatever. And uh, so if that happens to me, why, you'll forgive me. And if it happens to you, why, we'll forgive you too. So, but uh, I know you can be scrambling around in the pocket or the purse to try to find the, the phone. So give you an opportunity for that. Um, we do have a couple of seats up here in the second row on my left, your right, and then uh, other miscellaneous ones around. If it becomes necessary, the men in the back will set up some more chairs and, and fit us in. Uh, let me see what else I want to make sure. I want to take the, a moment to invite you also to our Christmas Eve and Christmas Day services, the 24th, 7 o'clock in the evening, that's a Saturday then Christmas Day on Sunday morning at 9.45 and 10.45, we have services as well, uh, but not on that Sunday, uh, Christmas Day uh, evening. And then one other announcement I think will complete it for us here, uh, and that is that uh, Jansen Lorch is inviting anyone who uh, is interested to participate in a short uh, Bible study of several weeks in length. If uh, this program kind of piques your interest in the things of God, you're interested in Christianity, and you want to find out more about what it is, which of course we would highly recommend, uh, because uh, if the information that we're talking about here today is true, and of course we are thoroughly convinced that it is, uh, it is very important that you know about it, that you consider it, uh, and that you uh, are knowledgeable about the things that, uh, that are here in this program. So, 
please do take note of that. So let us know if you'd be interested in participating in such a program. And uh, you can talk to me or Jansen, who is in the way back there running the live stream as well. And uh, if you can't get a hold of us, then talk to anybody and they'll get you into the right, uh, to the right people. So um, we'll leave that announcement for you there. And let me offer a prayer as we begin and then uh, invite you to enjoy and to be built up in the Christian faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful this afternoon for what you have permitted us to, uh, to prepare and what you will permit us just now to experience. We pray for each of our musicians, instrumentalists, singers, and everybody who is involved in the movement of this program forward over the next hour or so, and may it all redound to the glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's of him and through him and to him that we sing this afternoon. Amen.
afternoon. I'll be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 17 through 25, and you can either turn there in your Bible or listen along as I read. Matthew, chapter 1, beginning in verse 17, the word of the Lord says, all, So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Cost. 
but death could not contain his power, his love, his grace, for he is risen. The greatest story ever told is of this Jesus. that you take the hymn book, which should be located below the seat in front of you. You should find a hymn book there. Uh, if there's not enough, well, maybe share with a neighbor and uh, hold it out for them to see as, there as well. But we'll begin by singing hymn number 204. Hymn number, number 204. You can stand with us as we sing, and we'll sing verses 1, 2, 3, and 6 of hymn number 204, the first Noel.
be seated.
Would you listen along as I read from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 2, verses 7 to 14. The Apostle Luke writes this in verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Oh. 
job, children. That was very enjoyable. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it talks about the coming of the Messiah. But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are still among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler of Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. And in the New Testament, in Matthew, Chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, we see the wise men from the east uh, coming in. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When I hear this, I always think, when the king ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the house of bread, from which the bread of life is going to come out of, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. But for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and it stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. invite you to once again participate in the program take your hymnal turn to hymn number 190 please 190 and some of you might not need that as we stand together and sing silent night
Please be seated.
These beautiful words are coming from the mouth of God. In the 11th of Isaiah, extolling the virtues of his son, in whom he is well pleased. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, his delight is in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. 
but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. Somebody's got a phone call. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the winged, child, the winged child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. The extolling virtues of God's Son, in whom he is well pleased.
Thank you to everyone who participated in this last hour and five minutes. Excellent work, and I believe God was honored in your singing, and I hope in our response to that as well. This last finale was just tremendous, and Selah, thank you especially to you for uh, sharing your gift with us. And uh, Thurman, thank you for reading the Word. I know it was a little bit of a stretch to get on up here, but we appreciated your emotion in the reading of the Word of God, because it is worth it. Well, I wanted to share a little bit with you before we part ways. Uh, actually, we don't quite part ways, because we want to invite you to share a little refreshment afterwards, uh, just down the hall, and there's some chairs in there and some tables as well. I thought I would share with you uh, a little bit from an old creed. And I've never done this before, certainly not in a Christmas program, but I thought I would read to you and share just a few thoughts uh, about the Apostles' Creed. Uh, I was kind of inspired to do this by reading a short uh, evangelistic book uh, called The World Next Door. And uh, they really just go through the creed and, and uh, give an explanation of the parts of it. Uh, and so if you're interested in that, you can come and talk to me afterwards. I'll give you couple pluses and a couple minuses about it, and, uh, and we can recommend that to you. But here's the creed, and then I'll just make some comments on it, because I want us all, no matter where we're at in our life and our relationship to God, to be familiar with what Christianity teaches in some. And it's been one of the big burdens on my heart to address as much as possible what I call biblical illiteracy. Many of us can read 
But if we don't read the Bible, we don't read the most important book that has ever been authored and published and printed and duplicated and translated. And it is, to me, a shame that we're losing in our society biblical literacy. So I want to help you just with a a little bit more of that this afternoon. And the creed says this. Now, by the way, this creed was... Uh, is believed to have been written in the 300s A.D., more or less, uh, the, the version that we have. And if you're interested, by the way, I have it in Greek, too, here. You can uh, look at that afterwards. But I'll give it to you in English today, okay? Uh, makes it easier for us all. Um, but that puts this at 16 to 1,700 years old. The, the Christian faith is not something that's just been invented in the last 100 or 200 years or the last 48 hours like most tweets that you read. This is far more enduring and substantial and robust. It says this in the Creed, a reflection of our biblical belief. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic or universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. The creed kind of goes through the Trinity. It talks about our belief in God the Father, belief in God the Son, and belief in God the Spirit, and then a few other things after that, which we don't have time. Oh, I wish I had all the time I could to share with you more about this, but I'll cut my uh, comments short here at some point. Um, It starts out by mentioning our belief in God as Christians. Today, a lot of people wonder, where is God? They don't see God. And I thought, when I was reading this text that I said inspired this message for you this uh, afternoon, I thought they used a very helpful illustration. And it was something like this. Imagine a book that you're reading, a very good book, and imagine the characters in that book. Just list them in your mind two or three or four main characters. You don't have to list them all. Is the author among those characters? You can read the whole book. You read all the activities that happen. Maybe it's some whodunit or some other kind of book that you like reading. And you read through the whole book and you say, well, where was the author? I don't see him. Well, the author is not the kind of a person who can be contained in the book. He's outside of the book. He's above the book. He's the creator of the book. And so God is like that with this world, in a way. He created it. He's not, maybe we could say for this moment anyway, openly a character in it. But in this case, actually, the author wrote himself in to the story. And so we can see 
And that's what we've been singing about today and hearing music about, that he wrote himself into the story so that nobody could claim, we've never seen God. Now, somebody today can say, well, I haven't seen God, and unless I see him with my eyes, you know, I'm not going to believe. But there are reliable historical witnesses that tell us that, in fact, people did see God. They saw him in the flesh. He wrote himself into the story. Why do we believe in God anyway? What are the reasons for him? Why, why do we insist on our belief? So much so that many of our number over the centuries have given up their lives for this belief. Well, first of all, God has revealed himself, primarily in Scripture, but also in other ways in history and, and throughout history, in fact, from the beginning of the creation, he's demonstrated himself to us in that creation. We see him, the starry heavens above and the smallest molecule beneath and the conscience within. We see God. In fact, Christians have the experience of walking with God. We know God. Somebody coming to me and saying that God doesn't exist or they doubt his existence would be, as I've illustrated before, like somebody who doesn't know Naomi coming to me and saying, I doubt that your wife exists. The problem with that is I know her. I walk beside her, sleep beside her. I know who she is. You cannot convince me that she doesn't exist. And so it is for believers because we know God. We know God in eternal life. We know him through Jesus Christ. Secondly, there's really no more sensible explanation for our world than God himself. There are many less sensible explanations like chaos theories of creation or uh, Greek mythology or any number of other th explanations offered by the different religions of the world for the way that our creation came about. But think about it. For every painting, there's a painter. For every building, there is one or more builders. For every book, there is an author. For every app, there's a programmer. For every sculpture, there's a sculptor. For every gardener, you get the idea? What about for creation? Do you suppose there's a creator? How, can it be, how could it not be the case? I mean, you look at this building here, built in 1964 and 65, and you would never suggest that it just came to be on its own. You know that there was somebody that carefully architected it, permitted it, built it, plumbed it, electrified it, heated it, the, the genius of humankind to do that kind of thing just points us in the direction of our God who is the creator of all things. It seems more than eminently reasonable, in fact, necessary that there be a creator. Another reason for God, where does morality come from? It has to come from somewhere, not, not simply from the common agreement of a group of humans, say the elites or some common cultural agreement about what right and wrong is, because we know there is a universal standard of right and wrong. We have that sense within us. Well, the, the creed goes on to, to explain about uh, Jesus. It says, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. And really, kind of, we could go through this and, and ask ourselves, what is the Lord Jesus' relationship to a number of different persons or features in the creation to be able to understand who he is? And by this means, introduce ourselves to him or introduce him to us. First of all, it says that he is his only son. So 
the relationship of Jesus to God is of father to son. He is the son. Now, when we say son, of course, we, we dealt with this this morning. Many of you weren't here, though, and what we were careful to say was that son does not mean one who has a beginning or one who's inferior or one who's smaller or one who's younger, but son really means one who shares in all the characteristics of the father. Our sonship in, the, in this world and our relationships and families is just a poor manifestation of that. Your sons, my sons are like me and like you and, and we like them, but in this instance, the son of God is exactly like his father. What's the relationship of Jesus to humanity? Well, he's our Lord. That's what the creed says, our Lord. He is the one who, is, who has authority over all things. What about to Mary? The creed says that he was born of a virgin so that he would have true humanity and true deity, that a new person would not be created, that he would be protected from sin. This is not, by the way, what is commonly known as the Immaculate Conception. That's a totally different thing, in fact. Many people that I've talked to have been confused about that. The Immaculate Conception is supposed to have, have to do with Mary. It has nothing to do with Mary. The, the miracle was in the conception and the birth of Jesus the Christ. That's his relationship to Mary. It says also in the Creed that he was crucified, that he was killed or suffered under Pontius Pilate. To the Roman government, his relationship was one of suffering. And I take that to be kind of emblematic of all the governments of the world. The ruling class in every age does not want any threat to its power and will go to great lengths, no matter how unjust, to retain that power. And so even governments today persecute not Jesus because he's not here, but they might as well be because they're persecuting his people as He said to the Apostle Paul, why are you persecuting me when Paul was persecuting Christians in the church? The scriptures also tell us of Jesus' relationship to sin and death. It says that he was killed, that he died, that he was buried. And the meaning of that is he was buried for our sins. He was killed, rather, for our sins. He was buried as a proof that he was killed And then, of course, that he rose again. But back to that idea of death. Jesus died for sinners to satisfy the righteous requirement of the wrath of God against sin. An axiomatic kind of truth is that sin has wages. And you will be paid your wages, or Jesus will be paid your wages, depending on whether you decide to cast your lot with him or not. Jesus also proclaimed victory to those over the world of the dead when it says in the creed he descended to hell, descended perhaps we could say better to Hades, but we'll leave the wording alone for now. He descended there and proclaimed his victory over the world or underworld we could say of the dead. His relationship to death and to heaven, he arose from the dead and he went to heaven. That's what the creed says when it says he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. There his relationship to God is given again. Here he sits at the right hand of God waiting for God to unfold history until the point at which Christ will return and reign over the kingdoms 
of the earth. And then to humanity, his relationship once again is given in the last phrase of the second stanza here. From there, it says, from heaven, he will come to judge the living and the dead. That means you and me. You believe that, do you? When the scripture says, or when the, actually, let me say it this way. When in common parlance we say we have to go and meet our maker, you know that phrase? Who is your maker? Well, to be a little more specific than the generic Sunday school answer, all things were made through Christ. He is your creator, and he shall come to judge the living and the dead. In fact, God has committed all judgment to the Son, and he's given us a guarantee that that is going to happen by raising him from the dead. Acts chapter 17, and the Bible tells us this in 31, and it says that he therefore commands now all men everywhere to repent, to turn away from their sinfulness and turn to him, because he will come to judge the living and the dead. You know, another proof of that, that he's coming again, he already came the first time. Very reasonable to believe that he's going to come again. He's already been here once, and he's coming back. Well, there are more things that I could say about our belief in the Spirit and the church and the fellowship of the saints and all, but let me just close with a few other thoughts briefly. Christmas, my friends, is not a story. It is history. It's present and it's future as well. The Christmas story did not end 2,000 years ago. It continued 30-odd years later to what we know as the first Easter holiday after the Lord lived on the earth and then died for us. That Easter, he rose again from the dead. In a way, the Christmas story continues today, seeking to find a home in your heart and help you to know the Savior. In another way, however, the Christmas story has taken a pause to be continued sometime in the future when the Lord comes a second time to reign in the world and when every heart must prepare him room. This was written some years ago. More than 1,900 years ago, there was a man born contrary to the laws of life. This man lived in poverty and was reared in obscurity. He did not travel extensively. That's an interesting phrase. Actually, he did travel extensively. The Son of Man came from heaven. That's a long way, we could say, if we can think of it that way. Only once, it says, did he cross the boundary of the country in which he lived, and that was during his childhood exile in Egypt. He possessed neither wealth nor influence. His relatives were inconspicuous and had neither training nor formal education. In infancy, he startled a king. In childhood, he puzzled doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of nature, walked upon the waves as pavement, and hushed the sea to sleep. He healed the multitudes without medicine and made no charge for his service. He never wrote a book, yet perhaps all the libraries of the world could not hold the books that have been written about him. He never wrote a song, and yet he has furnished the theme for more songs than all the songwriters combined. He never founded a college, but all the schools put together cannot boast as having as many students as he does. 
He never marshaled an army, nor drafted a soldier, nor fired a gun. And yet no leader ever had more volunteers who have under his orders made more rebels stack arms and surrender without a shot fired. He never practiced psychiatry, and yet he has healed more broken hearts than all the doctors far and near. Once each week, multitudes congregate at worshiping assemblies to pay homage and respect to him. The names of the past proud statesmen of Greece and Rome have come and gone. The names of past scientists, philosophers, and theologians have come and gone. But the name of this man multiplies more and more. Though time has spread 1,900 years between the people of this generation and the mockers at his crucifixion, he still lives. His enemies could not destroy him, and the grave could not hold him. He stands forth upon the highest pinnacle of heavenly glory, proclaimed of God, acknowledged by angels, adored by saints, and feared by devils as the risen personal Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Father in heaven, how we thank you that we could gather today for this service and the honor and the recognition of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that these words have been somewhat helpful, that they have challenged us if we're a little illiterate about the things of God, that they have informed us so that we might better make a decision about how we're going to deal with this man, Jesus. This God-man, this Son of Man, this Son of God, who, as we read, is beyond equal. Now, Father, I pray that the Spirit of God would take the Word of God and the summation of some of its teaching today and plow that into our hearts as seed and water it and may it grow into salvation. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll close with a congregational hymn 189. And let me just say, if you are here and visiting, I would love to meet you before you skip out quickly. Uh, I, uh, I see a lot of unfamiliar faces. I see a lot of ones that I know. Uh, forgive me if I've forgotten your name, but uh, we are so grateful that you've come today. Thank you for taking your time to be here. And uh, let's jo enjoy a little fellowship afterwards before we have to head out. God bless you all. Amen. Dan. Hymn number 189, O Come All Ye Faithful.
Thank you very much. You are dismissed. Join us next door.